Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. We are so excited you tuned into our Damaged Goods series, where Pastor Mike speaks on how to respond when life happens. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, today um, we're going to start in on this series. We're in the third week of a series that we're calling Damaged Goods. And you know, it's one of those things that after Easter, um, God always places on my heart to do a series that can relate to everybody, to every person, no matter if you just came to God or if you've been with him for many, many, many years. The, the truth is that all of us are damaged in some area of our life. Life happens. Everybody just say that. Life. How many of you have had life happen to you this year? Like life, just like a child that you raised the right way and then they act like they got demon possessed and just started doing total contrary things. You married a husband that was fine when you married him, treated you right, and then one day got ugly and he was mean at the same time. You set up for a career and the business you gave 20 years to laid you off. You were in a church and you were serving and giving everything with the right heart. And every time that elevation came up, they always skipped you by. Let's just talk about what happens in our life. You befriended somebody that you thought was your friend and, and then they ended up abusing you or using you in the wrong way. Life happens to people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, to people who go to church, to people who are in the streets. Everybody say life happens. life happens. The problem is many of us don't know what to do when life happens. And the church say cliche things like praise your way out of it. But practically, I want to cuss you out. Like pra practically, I, I, I want to do, do wrong. How do I practically recover from the damaged area of my life when life happens when I lost a loved one unexpectedly when I decided to to drink alcohol one time just to make my pain go away and now I'm addicted when I when I accidentally was watching a channel and it was a good movie when I fell asleep but it was pornography when I woke up and I didn't change the channel because something in me was come on y'all what happens when life happens? That's why today we, we're, we're looking at a character in the Bible that life happened to him and his name is Mephibosheth. And I'm thankful that no matter how damaged you are, we are, God does some of his best work with damaged goods. Ask Moses, ask Abraham, ask Paul, ask me. We could ask you. Or we could ask Mephibosheth, everything that God has done in your life, you didn't deserve for him to use you like that. But he looks past our faults and sees our need. But many times the negative things that have happened in our life, we have not moved into a place where we've let those damaged areas heal. And so today through this series, 
We want those damaged areas to heal. So a lot of you guys weren't here last week, so I got to give you a quick recap so you understand where we are, because this is really the second part of Mephibosheth's story, but I'm going to try to do this in five minutes. So there's this character named Mephibosheth. If you want to look it up later, you can do it. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, but he was five years old. Long story short, there was this guy named Saul. Saul was the king of all of Israel. He once was anointed. He once was appointed by God. And then he got impatient and started doing things without God's help. Let me just give you a nugget that has nothing to do with this sermon. But if God got you in that position, don't get impatient and start doing stuff without him. It will allow his grace and his anointing to get off of you. So at this point, Saul, do you have my characters real quick? Because sometimes I'm a person that likes to tell stories in, in movies. These are by no means biblical, but this helps me tell the story. This is what Saul looks like in my mind on the screen, okay? You can take a look at that, okay? Samuel L. Ain't he in every movie? Anyway. So this is what Saul looks like. He begins to get bitter, begins to go after David, begins to start um, taking the thing that was his asset and treating it as his enemy, okay? And so what ended up happening was um, Saul had a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan was next in line to take over, but he saw that his daddy was kind of cray-cray. And so he was like, oh, my dad probably ain't going to make it through this whole thing. So Jonathan was the one that had a son, and Jonathan's son was Mephibosheth, okay? So Jonathan is Idris in my head. This is just my movie, okay? And then, and then, and then Mephibosheth, he was crippled. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, that word came to the palace from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan died in the same day. They, they, they were taken out by the Philistines and then Saul said, I ain't gonna let nobody kill me, so I'm gonna kill myself. And the rain went away in less than one day. And so what happens is everybody back at the palace, they begin to say, ooh, ooh, you know, that code nine, code nine. And they said, it's time to get up out of here. A nurse picks up Mephibosheth when he was fine. He could use his legs. He could use all of his limbs. And she begins to run and she drops him. And at the moment she drops him, the Bible tells us Mephibosheth became crippled from that moment on. And this is what we talked about last week. You know, many of us have done things on our own to damage our life, but what happens when somebody who was supposed to care for you drops you? What happens when the pastor who was supposed to be watching over your spiritual soul drops you? What happens when the parents were so addicted to things that were generational that, that now you're introduced to things that, hey, what happens? You're damaged. And the problem with many church people and people that come to church is we're damaged and we've been damaged so long that we think it's normal and we now think it's okay. You have an attitude with everybody. You can speak in tongues, pray, prophesy, but you're mean. And the only reason is because when you were younger, you had an older brother and sister who didn't like that you came in and took some of their spotlight, so they treated you wrong, so you decided to fight, and from that point on, all your life, you've been fighting, and there was an area that was damaged when you were five, and now it affects you at 50. <sighs> some of y'all parents, let me talk for your kids. You're just older kids with problems and authority. Everybody 20 and under should say amen. Not if you sit next to your parents and you live in the house. Just nod. 
But the thing we have to realize is that everybody's a person, but if you don't handle the damaged areas of your life, it turns into the excuses of why you can't reach purpose. So I was damaged and, 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 I, and anytime I try to go out and do something on faith, I fail. So when God then speaks to me to step out in faith, I don't do it because it didn't work then. And God's trying to shake somebody out of every place that's damaged in your life. He wants to say, I have purpose for you. I have need of you. I have something that I want you to do. I have put something in you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And it's good. And it's going to prosper you. But if we don't confront the damaged areas, we will never move into freedom. Somebody shout freedom. freedom. And today God wants freedom for your life. So, so the things we discussed last week is number one, everybody's damaged. Everybody say, I'm damaged. I'm damaged. Every religious person didn't even want to say it. Mm-mm, yeah, yeah, life is in, yeah, the life is in the, listen, God can't bless where you pretend to be. He can only bless where you really are. What does your GPS do every time that you need directions to somewhere? It says, can I use your current location? And that's what we do in here. We have a very hot church, humble, open, and transparent. And we're asking God to use our current location. If you're a liar currently, just stay there. No, no, no. Stay there and allow God to give you direction of where you need to go. If you're still in depression, stay there. And identify, yes, right here, depressed street, depressed street, depressed place. Will you please take me to Freedom Row? Will you you please show me where Deliverance Drive is? So so we realize we're all damaged goods. And, and, And so what happened is the king, David, one day he's in rulership and in power now. And he said, you know what? I had a great relationship with Jonathan. That was my boy. First Samuel 18 says that their souls were knitted together. He he said, you know what? I made him a promise. Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness and favor to for my friend Jonathan's sake? I'm trying to catch y'all up right now. And and they bring a a servant that used to work for Saul named Ziba. And he said, man, there's this one cat. He's a bum, though. He's down in Lodabar, and he's he bumming off a maker. He's staying in his house, and he's crippled. Oh, yeah, and by the way, his name is Mephibosheth. He described his condition, where he was, and how broken he was before he even said his name. And that's what the enemy tries to do with us, tell us that we're not enough. We'll never be able to do that. Nobody in your family was able to do that before even giving us the courtesy to call us a name. And his name meant breathing shame. And how many of us in our situations have what we named our situation prophesying the wrong thing over our situation? I'll always be broke. This is just another This is just another year of the same. We're prophesying the things over our life and God's saying to change that confession. So David said, go get him. And what does that teach us? That the king, God, does not care where you're at now. He was in a place called Lodabar, a place meaning nothing, no pasture, nothing alive coming out of that place. And you may feel like that right now. You're in a place of nothing. There's no life. Your love life, there's nothing there. Your emotional life, there's nothing there. You feel depleted. And God's saying, I will pursue you wherever you're at. So the king began to pursue Mephibosheth and brought him to the palace. 
And if you're in a damaged and a forgotten place right now, I came to encourage you this morning that God is looking for you. He's looking for you. And we said it yesterday that God is faithful when we're not. That, that he's coming after us when we stop coming after him. And all we have to do is turn and repent. And that's, that's when we find Mephibosheth outside of the place where he was forgotten. And now he's in the king's presence. And when he gets in the king's presence, the first thing that the king says is, I want to bless you. The same thing he's saying to all of us that are damaged. If we get into his presence, if we lift our, did y'all sense that worship that we had in here this morning? If you just get in, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you just get in the presence of God and say, Father, change my heart, change my mind, change me. You don't got to be in this house with lights. You can be in your car, in the shower, but get in the presence of God and you just acknowledge him. And what ends up happening is when you get in the king's presence, he always wants to bless you. The enemy tries to convince us that he wants to punish us. And that's why we don't go to the king when we mess up. One thing that I'm teaching my daughter right now, she's three years old. Some of y'all seen Isabella, but it's trained very young of who to come to when you mess up. And so naturally in us, I don't even have to train her. When she does something wrong, she wants to hide it. She she wants to, uh uh-oh, Bella, did you break daddy's phone? Mm Mm-mm. Peace is sitting there in her hands. Did, did you, Bella, look at me. When you mess up, you come to daddy. Because if you come to daddy, I'm the only one that can fix it. If you run from daddy, you get in trouble and nothing gets fixed. So when we get into sin, when we make a wrong move, when we do it, why do we stop coming to church? Why do we stop getting in front of accountability? Why do we stop going to our heavenly father? Because something in us is damaged that we think if we messed up and we go to our father, but my word says that we should come boldly before the throne of grace, asking for what every thing we need for help. Daddy, I need help in this marriage. Daddy, I need help with this child. Daddy, I need help not to kill these kids. See, y'all want to be fake. You just want me to say something to make you happy. I'm trying to help you. So we have to bring whatever our damaged thing is. That's the whole point. We have to bring it to the king. And and when, when Mephibosheth got in the presence of the king, the first thing he did is he humbly bowed. He came in a place and a position of submitting everything that was damaged in him. I'm just going to give it to you. There's nothing I can do with this anyway. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to not care what my friends think about this. I need freedom so bad that I can't care who likes it or who doesn't. I've been in Lodabar so long that this may be ugly. I may lose a couple people, but he humbled himself and he bowed before the king and he brought his damaged goods to the king. And that's how we ended last Sunday is Melody beautifully sang a song called take me to the king. And that's what we have to do. So today we're going to pick back up. Does everybody caught up? Everybody got it. Everybody with me. Okay. Today I want to get really practical. Okay. So I want you to know what to do if you're damaged. And we're going to pick this thing up um, um, 
um, by saying a scripture that most of you know, but, but I, I want you to get this a new revelation. Romans 8, 28. If you're damaged by divorce, if you're damaged by religion, if you're damaged by judgment, if you're damaged because you have a felony record, if you're damaged because you work in self-righteousness, I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. If you're damaged, I want you to know something about bringing your, your stuff to the king. Our God says, and we know that in all things, God works. Say that with me. God works. Just say it louder. God in all things, God works. Why do you feel like that thing is outside of God's reach? Whatever it is for you, God's saying, yeah, that, that foreclosure, <laughs> yeah, that was a little damaging, but guess what? I can work it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Being left at the altar, that was a blow <laughs> for your status. But guess what? I can work that too. Oh, oh yeah, the adultery situation that happened and you're still kind of healing from it. Guess what? If you let me be Jehovah Jireh, your provider, I'll work that too. Um, I need some help. Is Dominique, you still here? Where's Doe? Come here. I need you to help. Didn't she do such a great job in worship this morning? Okay. Okay, so this is what I want you to hear. Hear me say this as they're setting up. God can only work with what he has. Listen to me, they're setting up a guitar, okay? It's very fine. God can only work with what he has. Let me say it another way. God can only work with what you give him. See, many people want to hold things and want God to snatch it out of their lives. But he's a gentleman. And he says, I only can do what you allow me to do. So when we look at that scripture that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, you need to understand that God can only work with something that you have given him. God wants to take your pieces and he wants to make a masterpiece. But if you don't give him a piece of all of this stuff that's happening, he cannot work what he does not have. So your attitude, you need to give it to him. Your frustration, you need to give it to him. Oh God, I forgot. I have a, a, a thought process of perversion. Let me give that to you too. Oh God, I forgot. I'm scared to answer the call because my mom and them was crazy and I don't want to be associated with crazy people. Let me give you that too. I'm going to give you all my pieces and you're the God that can take pieces and make a masterpiece. It's what the word means when he says he gives beauty for ashes. So, so I call Dominique up here because she's a master at singing and guitar playing and all this other stuff. So I'm going to give you some pieces and I'm going to tell you what to play and what to sing. And they do not go together at all. And I'm going to see if you can bring them together and allow the spirit to create a masterpiece. Now, if you don't do this, you mess up my whole. No pressure. Okay. Um, start with trading my sorrows. You know that? Come on, y'all. Y'all give me. Say. Come on, just do that one more time. It just felt good. Help him say. Okay, okay, that, that was good, but just keep playing that. 
Now, one of my favorites is Whitney Houston. Anybody love Whitney Houston in the building? Now, I don't know if this is gonna work, but my wife laughs at me, but one of my favorite songs is Whitney Houston, I Wanna Dance With Somebody. I, I don't know if that'll work, but can you put that piece in there? Let, let's see. Somebody who loves me. With somebody who loves me. Okay. Okay, now I'm about to see if you a real master taking these pieces. Let, let me see if you can add to this. Watch me whip. Watch me nay nay. Watch me whip. Watch me nay nay. Okay. Did y'all record that? We releasing the new whip Nene today. That was awesome. We could have done that for the rest of the service. But, but what I want you to see that the piece is in a master's hand. Your damaged areas in a master's hand. Some of y'all are like, where can I download that? Because in somebody's hands that has the ability to turn it, flip it, change it, all things, God works together for the good of those who love them and are called according to purpose. Be encouraged today that God's taking every setback and he's fashioning it for your setup. And you don't have to be discouraged anymore. So Mephibosheth comes in here and he, he basically is in a bad position like many of us are in an area. And so you have this question, what do I do when life happens, when it hits my home? Not when I'm praying for somebody else, but when, it's, when I lost the money from the investment, when my, when my children got affected by drugs. What do I do when life happens to me? Let's look at Mephibosheth. The first thing you have to do is you have to talk with the king damaged. There, there's this perception that I need to clean up before I talk with the king. That I need to get, I hear people say this all the time when I'm witnessing to people, they'd be like, yeah, pastor, I'd come to church, you know what I'm saying? But there's some things I want to get straight in my life first. Like you had the ability to get it straight anyway. Come on. How many of us say, you know what I'm saying? I just got some habits and some things that I'm not ready. You, you'll never be ready. 
You'll never be able to fix your attitude. You'll never be able to do it. God says, that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm the hospital for the hurting. I'm the healer. When we sang that song, do you believe I'm your healer? God's saying, I am. He's standing over there saying, I have everything that you need. I'll be everything that you want, but you got to talk with me. What does that practically look like? Prayer. Church, one of the things that's becoming a lost art in the kingdom of God is prayer. I'm not talking about um, coming to church and getting the moment. I'm talking about in your secret place, talking with God damaged. What does that look like? It don't look pretty. It doesn't. God, I'm pissed. Y'all felt, felt that religion? No, I'm pissed. I'm beeping pissed. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God, listen, because God would rather you talk to him with where you're at. Because you said that this was going to be my year. Every year, 2007, going to heaven. 2008, it's going to be great. 2009, look at me, I'm fine. 2010, like... God, and it's 2017 and I don't even got a rhyme. Because everything in my life is not working. I plan to be married by now, God. I plan to have... I plan to have a family and now they're saying I can't have kids. I plan to stand and declare your promises, but I don't know if I've seen any come true for me. See, God's not looking for perfect prayers from you. He's looking for authentic prayers from you. And Mephibosheth went to the king damaged. When they brought him in front of David, he could not fix himself. And what I'm encouraging every person in this room, that practically in your life, if you're going to get your damaged areas healed, you're going to have to get raw dog, naked, and exposed in front of God and say, this is my area. If you have thoughts of homosexuality, stop acting like you don't. Go to God with it and say, God, I've had these thoughts in my mind, and I need you. I need you to do something about it. Y'all see how quiet it's getting in here. You got daddy issues, and so now you're in control of everything because you never want to feel out of control ever again. And God's saying, you've never even admitted to me, the one who was there when it happened and the one that's been there the whole time, that this is a problem for you. The Bible tells us that prayer is communication with God. It's exchange. It's really one of the best definitions I've heard of prayer. It's transferring the burden. Like, like I'm carrying the weight of this abuse, and God, now I'm giving it to you. And if you're not praying, we did a series back in the fall called Charged Up. And we talked about that the Christianity um, um, lifestyle is one of constants. There's some things that will never change. Prayer, reading your word, um, worshiping, those things will never, it's the discipline of constance. I'm telling you right now, and this may be a correction for some and, 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 and a revelation for others, but if you're not praying and communicating with God every day, there's some area that you're not allowing him to heal. Your perspective, your thoughts. Do you know how many times I have one thing in my mind when I go to talk to God about something? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm doing that. Let me just run this by God. God, this is what I... 
No, not at all. Go back and apologize. Did you you see what they did to me? And buy him a gift? Now you just acting up. It's because when I consult the king, even though I'm damaged, he has the best solution in mind for not just me, but for all parties included. Let me give you some scripture. The Bible tells us in Psalms 34, 18, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted or the damaged, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You have, guys, if you're damaged in an area, Like Mephibosheth, don't try to fix the area before you start communicating with God about it. Take it to the king. So the first thing, everybody say prayer. Prayer. The second thing is you have to believe what the king says. When you start talking to him, he's going to talk back to you. And one of the primary ways he talks back to you is through his word. Like when you really start praying and get a devotion life with God, You'll start being in scriptures or in places in the Bible. And hear me for everybody. I just don't understand. Everybody don't. I don't understand the King James Version. Get you a version you understand. Do you hear me? Get the message. Get the NLT. Get the NIV. Get any V. But get, get whatever V you need. What I'm saying is you get in a place where you start letting the word. It's the only book that is alive. It's the only book that you can read and it'll start reading you. God is my witness. I'll be in place and stuff like, what does this story have to do now? And it'll come alive and God will start illuminating to me. And this is what I want everybody to know about reading the Bible. Because I want you to hear me say this. Reading the Bible is not something that you get, oh, a new revelation every time. It's an anchor that drops. I want everybody to hear, hear what I'm saying. If you're on the sea and things are moving and things are rocking, if you have no anchor, you'll end up in a place that nobody can find you. But even though you feel the waves, if you drop an anchor, the wind can blow, storms can come, things can move, but you are steady. And what God, when you drop, when you read the word, it drops an anchor on your life. Oh, I got to get another job. Okay. You, you laid me off. All right. Oh, my husband acting crazy. Okay. But I'm still here. And that's why I'm encouraging everybody in my generation. The Bible is not a scripture you just post on social media to act like that you've been reading it. You have to find yourself lost in the stories and say, God, how does that apply to me? Because when you do that, you begin to start believing what the king says about you. There are promises in the word of God. There are things that he said about you, that you're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath that with long life, he will satisfy you. But how often are you hearing that? Because the Bible tells us faith comes by and hearing what? So when you're not hearing the word, the anchor is getting drawn up and you're able to go to and fro with everything that comes. And God's saying that you got to believe what I say. And that's what Mephibosheth did. Look what David said when he came into the presence. Second Samuel chapter nine, verse seven. First thing he told Mephibosheth in his damaged state, he said, don't be afraid. He said, I'm going to bless you. 
and show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. That's two promises right there. Then he gives him a third one. I will restore you and all the land that belonged to your grandfather. So matter of fact, I'm not just going to bless you for what you needed and what you deserve. I'm going to go back to your granddaddy and I'm going to bless you what, what he was supposed to have. If you don't believe what God says about you, you will miss generational stuff that was supposed to already be in your family. The wealth, the health, the life, the, you'll miss it because you don't believe what God's saying about you. Look, he gives them another promise. He says, I'll give you all the land that your grandfather had and you will always eat at my table. What has God said about you that you still don't believe? He told you we're going to be a CEO of a business. And you said, I, I'm not even the CEO of my budget. <laughs> and you've started to believe a lie. God said you were going to be a professor and you were going to teach and you're like, but I didn't finish college. And so we hit these damaged areas that stop us from moving forward in what God said. But I'm here to tell you and dispel every lie of the enemy that if God says it, you need to, before you do anything, you need to start believing what God's word says about you. You are beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully made that your family, as for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. I don't care what they out there doing right now and whose music video they're in. As for me and my house, we will serve. You need to start believing the promises of God. But see, Fib still didn't believe. His name's too long. I'm a Fibbishef. Got to give him a nickname. Fib. Fib still didn't believe. Pastor Mike, how do you know that? Look at 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. The king just made him four promises. And if he was going to be killed by now, he would have already been killed. We wouldn't be done all this talking. And look what he says. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Now, God gave him four promises, but his perspective was still broken. God, God is saying to many of us what he's intended for us, but we can't perceive it right because our perspective is still broken. He still saw himself as a dead dog. Now, I want you to realize that Mephibosheth was dealing in shame, regret, comparison, and condemnation. And if we really look at our lives, many of us in some area are dealing with shame. You won't even tell people it happened to you. It's 28 years ago. Regret. I can't believe I did that. Comparison, well, if I would have had the start they had, I would be in condemnation. Enemy just suggesting to you that everything that you're doing is not going to work. Hear, hear the significance of a dead dog. In Jewish culture, the dog was the lowest animal back then because it would throw up its own food. It would eat it off the ground, and it would even eat its own feces. It was the, carrier, the primary carrier of disease back in that day because they had no vaccinations and no pet goes and all those other things. And so they were the spreader of disease back in there. He compared himself to the lowest creature on the earth in the presence of the almighty king. How many of us are coming to God saying, but you couldn't use me. Do you remember what I did? 
Do you remember, God, how could you use a broken person like me? Why, why would they ever listen to somebody that slept with that many people? Why would they ever be able to call me pastor after I had a case and I was addicted to pornography and I was in shame and lying? This is my own testimony, so you can quit all the, all the stuff that this may be happening. This is my testimony. See, because I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of my testimony. I was a manipulator. I was broken. I was insecure. And I I came to God saying, how could you use something like this? He said, you did the first step. You brought it to me. And now you're asking me to do something with it. And now for every person in this place, we need to, to get Lodabar out of us. See, let me help you. I told you last week, but Lodabar was the place of his shame. The place when he was damaged, the place he went to hide. Uh, our place may not be called Lodabar, but you have a place that you hide when you're damaged. In other people, alcohol, judgment. Some of y'all be on Facebook just scrolling, judging everybody. Look at her. She's fake. <laughs> Click. Oh, oh, that family ugly. Uh, oh, she lost some weight. Okay, okay, okay. But that mole. Oh. When you're damaged, where do you go to hide? The place of nothingness, the thing that brings no fruit. That's where Lodabar was for him. But this is the crazy thing. He's in Jerusalem now. He's out of Lodabar, but Lodabar's not out of him. And the problem is for many of us is God has delivered us from the situations we ask him to, but we didn't get delivered in our mind and in our heart. So God's brought us into more finances than we've ever had. And we still in Lodabar in poverty. God has brought us into a loving relationship, but we still treat it like the abusive relationship. God has given us real friends that will talk God to us, but we still treat them like they out to get us. God's saying you cannot get out of Lodabar and not get Lodabar out of you came to help somebody that you have to divorce what you did in Lodabar in the place of nothingness. See, so many of us want to keep the same friends and keep the same thing. But I'm a witness. I need to show them. Get changed first. Get delivered first. And then go back and be able to be an example to those people. But what I'm saying to you is many of us listen to the same music we listen to in Lodabar. Many of us are doing the same things that we did. We're in the king's presence. God's trying to give you purpose. He's trying to give you destiny. He's got plans that he's holding back because he's waiting on you. And he said, but I can't release this till you get that out of you. He said, I brought you out, but will you let it out? I brought you out. You are in a church that loves you, but you still think that everybody's going to use you for your gift. I brought you out, but will you let it out? Today, in the presence of God, whatever thinking, whatever heart posture, whatever perspective you've taken that has been Lodabar, the hiding place, the place of nothing, like Mephibosheth, what am I that you'd use a dead dog like me? God's saying, you in my presence. I'm talking to you. I've called for you. I want you. I need you. And I want to use you for my purpose. That damaged area in your life that's, I hear the spirit, I, I thank you, Lord, that's making you feel like you lost too much time. <coughs> that too much time has passed. God said, I'm the restorer of time. 
I'll take what the canker worm and the palm worm. I'll restore everything that you thought you lost. But you got to get that mindset. And how do you do that, Pastor Mike? How do I get Lodabar out of me? It just comes out of me. It's Lodabar everywhere. It's my old thinking. It's when, when somebody makes me mad, I want to fight. When I, when it, the only way you can do it is not by just getting it out. You have to replace it. So to get Lodabar out of you, you have to get the kingdom into you. See, the more time that Mephibosheth spit in the king's palace, that's why the promise of the king, the last promise, was not that I'm just going to make you rich. He said, you'll always sit at the king's table because if you stay in my presence, it'll start to change your actions. If you would just stay in my presence, if you just get in my face, you would know. Don't just reach over there and do that. Somebody will bring it to you. Do you understand? You start to learn your right when you stay in the presence of the king. And many of us have not spent enough time in the presence of the king. I'm not trying to be ethereal. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? Every day you should spend at least 30 minutes to an hour with God. What does that mean? Get in your room. Get in your car. Turn on some worship music. Begin to get lost talking about the God who reigns. I could sing that song. I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. I could sing that all day long. And I start to remember all the things that were impossible to me that God somehow superseded my insufficient Michael. And he brought me into play. How am I the lead pastor of this church? God looked beyond and he said, I'll take you to where you need to go. I just got in his presence and he began to change me. Pastor Mike, how am I going to change? Get in the king's presence because it'll change your perspective. A study was done on kids that came from poverty, but they took the kids out of poverty. It was a family of about four or five children, and they left um, three of the kids in poverty, and they put two of the kids in a family of wealth, and they did this experiment over 18 years, and the kids that were in the family of wealth, they learned things by being in an atmosphere that was was more uh, um, conducive to their success than the children that were in the poverty mentality. They brought them back together, did all the studies and did all the analysis. And the one thing that separated the lives, the trajectory, the, the thought process was where they spent their time. When I tell you that if you're damaged, you have to spend more time with God in prayer, in the word, in worship. Why are you saying that? Because this, there's this little fact at the end of this, and I'm closing right now, that when Mephibosheth, in all his damaged areas, he had to say, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to live in Lodabar anymore. I don't want Lodabar to live in me. I don't want my past and my pain to live here. I don't want to stay in that place. He had to literally confront the offenses. He had to let go of the pleasure of the pain. He had to let go of the convenience of conflict. And he even had to let go of the fun of unforgiveness. Cause we know sometimes holding unforgiveness for people, it, it makes us feel like we have an upper hand. He had to let it all go. What I'm asking you to do in your life is whatever the damaged area, 
It's time to let those things that have been the stronghold in you, it's time to let it go. Because if you let it go, then God gives you a seat at his table. And this is my last point. You need to sit regularly at the king's table. I titled this message, I've waited to the end to tell you, I've titled this message, Pull Up a Chair. Because what God wants you to do is pull up a chair and sit at the table. What does the table represent? It represents the grace of God. See, this is the most beautiful thing. And sometimes you have to read in the Bible and let God reveal things to you because the text won't just say it. But this is the most beautiful thing. I studied um, how they used to do the king's table back then. And, and I mean, it was elaborate. I mean, you had a cup for everything. You had, you had forks and dishes and grape bearers and you had people to test your food. I'd be like, don't eat my food, <laughs> bring my food. You understand? But they had all of these different things. And one thing at every king's table is they had a long royal tablecloth. Pastor Mike, what does a tablecloth have to do with this message? Do you remember where Mephibosheth was damaged at? In his legs. So when he's sitting there with the king, all of the dignitaries, all of the people of importance, when he pulled up a seat to the king's table, his damaged area was covered. When you receive the grace of God, when you pull up a seat at the king's table, they can't see the hoe no more. They can't see the liar anymore. They cannot see your pain anymore. The grace of God, the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, kindness, goodness of God begins to cover every one of my flaws. Yeah, I was, but you can't see it now. Yeah, I did it, but you can't see it now. Yeah, that was me, but you can't see it now. Because when you pull up a seat and receive the grace of God, it covers all of your damage. Mephibosheth, they would only know that he was damaged if he allowed what was in here and in here to come out of his mouth. See, the problem is you're telling people you was jacked up and you're still living in Lodabar. And God said, I made a way through my grace. I stretched out my son and took all the shame, the regret, the brokenness. I had him shed his blood just for you to receive the grace that no man could pay for and you couldn't do for yourself. And when you receive this seat at the king's table, I cover you with my grace. Receive. Come on, just lift your hands all over this place. I want, we, right now, God, we receive. He can't force it on you. Mephibosheth could have fought it. No, 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 no. I don't want to sit at your table. I don't want to do that. But the king said, but you will always. This is not a momentary thing. This is not if I mess up again. If I get jacked, he said, you will always sit. At the king's table, Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that today would be the last day that we live in regret and fear and shame 
and condemnation, but today we would pull up a seat at the king's table. Father, we are Mephibosheth and we're damaged. Father, we're damaged by things that we did to ourselves and we're damaged by things that we had nothing to do with. Somebody dropped us, but today we know you're the king that restores all, Father God. I thank you that there is nothing outside of your reach that you will not work together for our good. So Father, we bring it to you. We bring you the abuse. We bring you the frustration. We bring you the wrong words. We bring you the negative thoughts. We bring you, Father God, our doubt today. We come as we are and we say, Father God, if anybody can cover us, we know that the blood of Jesus can cover us. And we thank you for covering our damaged areas. Now, Father, let us receive your grace and walk boldly in everything that you've provided for us. In Jesus' name, I declare this is the last day of guilt, condemnation, shame, frustration, and regret. We walk free and bold into who you've called us to be. And we are covered at the king's table in Jesus' name. If you receive it, why don't you give God a shout of praise? Why don't we bless the king, the Lord of all? Hallelujah. Pastor Mike, they're not talking about me. They don't, know, they don't know my situation. There's a parable Jesus tells in Luke 14. He, and he says, he says, go, I've prepared a feast. It's another table. It's, it's another table prepared by a king. You can go look it up later. But he said, I prepared a table and I sent out invitations. And all the first people I sent out invitations was bougie. And they had stuff to do. No, I just got some new cows. No, I just got married. No, I just got... And, and, and the servant came back and, and, and he said, where, where, where are all the people? He said, they busy. They didn't want to receive the grace. They didn't want to... He said, okay, cool. Because I have this prepared. I've already sent my son. I've already sacrificed the lamb and chopped this mug up and cooked it. He said, go out into the highways and the byways. Look, I'm telling y'all, Luke 14, 21, it says, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys. Bring the poor, the crippled, the damaged, the blind, and the lame. He says, because I know I got what they need to be covered. Don't disqualify yourself for what God's already qualified you for. Today is your last day of living in damage. You're going to give it to the king and God's going to do a work in your life. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can get through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.